free your soul up a bit. This is the Perfectly Imperfect Podcast with Regina and Christine, where we share our stories as women openly and honestly. We believe it's through our journeys, our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters, because we're all perfectly imperfect. Hey guys, and welcome back to Perfectly Imperfect, the podcast where we have vulnerable conversations about mental health, self-growth, and relationships. I am Christine. And I'm Regina. Well. What a year 2020 has been. I feel like we've been saying I know. <laughs> I, like, I, can't, I can't help but just feel all the feelings. Yeah. 2020 keeps throwing curveballs. Like just when we feel like it can't get any worse. Don't say that. You're going <laughs> to chase it further. <laughs> I mean, I we know. already I... had the scare of the killer wasp. Like, come oh on Oh my now. God. The murder hornets. Yeah. When quarantine first started, I was like, oh, probably by like June, July, like life will be relatively normal again. No. no, like my friends are now saying that we're probably not going to even make plans to like see each other until like 2021, which is crazy to think about because I think that's so much of my life. I've just gone around being like, oh, this yeah. is super reliable. Like if I make a plan on this day, I will be going to that thing on this day. And I love traveling and I'll be like, hey, in 2020 this year, my friend and I talked about doing a trip to Spain and that it was never a question of like, if like, it was just like, oh, when, you know? And now it's like, oh my God, all the things in our lives that we thought were reliable and you can count on, I feel like it's just been ripped out from under us. Like who would have thought even in January, if you were to tell me that you can't go outside without wearing a mask, like I would have thought that you were completely joking and messing with me. And today I went to go mail a package and I like got out of the car without a mask. And I was like, Oh my God. I like ran back in and get her. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It's just like so many of the things that we didn't think twice about have now made us question everything. Like eating at restaurants, going to movie theater, just talking to a friend, hugging a friend. Right? Oh, man. Yeah. I went to go see a friend recently because she was going through a hard time. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe we can meet up at a boba shop. And then, then it was like two seconds delay of like, no, we can't. Yeah. But what ended up working out was that we ended up going to a park sitting six feet away from each other. But it was so <laughs> nice. I was like, oh, I'm out in nature. Mm-hmm. It's nice. It was nice, you know? Yeah. So I think that was some of the things where given the unpredictability of life, which has actually always been the case, it's just been a very severe case of it, mm-hmm. that, you know, you get to reflect. And like you said, you see all the things that you've taken for granted or like how do you want to operate moving forward, you know, mm-hmm. and what do you not want to repeat? I was actually looking for old photos of me, Regina, because we did the, you know, we're not really strangers again episode. And we talked about how we first met. And then we're looking just for old photos of ourselves. And I went down this whole rabbit hole of just old photos, I guess like past 10 years. Because I was thinking about like, I went from a Blackberry to my first iPhone. <laughs> and this, and when you said Blackberry, I was like, why are we talking about fruit? <laughs> <laughs> no, the phone, the phone. Oh my gosh. Know? And that kind of led me to this pinpointing areas of my life or memories of my life that I totally forgot, which brings us to the topic of today which is 10 things that were happy that didn't work out. Mm. And thinking about it in that, in hindsight, because we're talking about how like now that we're able to connect the dots, 
it makes more sense and you can be like, okay, well, that led me to this. Because I didn't get this, I actually had to do this and et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. So we compiled a list of like ideas of other episodes that we wanted to do for the rest of the season. And when I saw that Christine put this on the list, I got so excited because (laughs) it just felt so original and different. And I feel like when we are going through these like could have been's, it's like the most devastating thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just feel so much pain and heartache and you're like, if only I got this one thing, my life would be perfect. But once it's over, you completely forget about it. Like I actually, when Christine was like, oh, we're going to each pick five. I was like, what? I have to pick five? I thought we were just going to pick one. But then when I really sat down and thought about it, I was like, wow, there are so many things that at a certain point in my life, I really, really wanted and probably would have given up a lot just to get it. And when it didn't work out, I was devastated. And I was like, okay, well, how do I pivot? Like, what do I do next? Like, oh my God, do I find a new dream? Like, do I hold on to this dream? Like, how am I supposed to feel about it? But again, like what Christine said, now that we've kind of gone through it and felt all those feelings already and are on very, very different paths, we can look back at those situations and be like, wow, if I had gotten what I thought was my dream, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, a year ago, I would not be where I am today. And I feel like it's those moments that really make up who you are. And so I'm super excited to be doing this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it serves as a good practice and this is exactly why you journal. I'll just self-promote here. We do weekly journal prompts that you can follow us on our Instagram and you know, it prompts these type of questions or thoughts that you actually have to take some time to think about. And it's good when you write it out, because once you start writing it, you're like, oh, it leads to another thing, it leads to another thing. And, you know, this is the type of thing where you learn from with reflection, because we still have moments where like, oh, this has to work out. This guy has to be the guy, you know, I have Mm -hmm. to marry him. And then when you do exercises like this, you get to see how you learn from things that, you know, you prayed and hoped and dreamed, like Regina said, you would have given an arm and a leg for, you know, if I just got that one job, just please, please, you know, call me, call me, call me. And then you don't get it. It's like, oh, what's wrong with me? What does this say? I'm such a failure or blah, blah, blah. But then when you do an exercise like this, you're like, actually, you've been through so many of these type of moments where things didn't work out the way that you wanted. And if you're able to reframe that, then perhaps moving forward, the next thing that is unpredictable that comes into your life is not going to crush your soul because that's what life is. It's unpredictable. Mm -hmm. It makes you form different paths or see different things that you probably didn't see before. But because of the circumstances, you had to. Mm -hmm. You have to adjust. You have to be flexible. I have to say that's probably one of the biggest life lessons is how do you become flexible and adjust? Because we don't ever know what will happen. So Regina, why don't you start us off? What's one thing that you're happy didn't work out? Running through my life and all the things that have happened to me, I think that one of my biggest like probably disappointments was college Mm -hmm. because I have a lot of friends who were very studious and got really good grades and got really good GPAs and got into really good schools. 
And I did not. And I felt like I was falling behind. So I didn't get to go to a UC. I didn't get to go to a school that had the title that I could like tout around and have people be impressed by. I went to a private school nearby. And to me, it kind of felt like a cop out. Like I was like, oh, well, I just kind of ended up here. Like I was semi good enough to get in. And I think that the other thing too was like, I didn't really know that many people going there. But as I mentioned in the past, like it was a religious school and I was not religious. During that time, I thought it was the end of the world. Like I didn't have the traditional college experience that everyone else had. I didn't have frat houses. I didn't get to drink and do all that thing with my classmates. I had to go elsewhere to find those experiences. I never asked you like, what did your parents feel or think when you're saying like mm-hmm. not getting into a UC and you being an only child? Yeah, I think in that way, my parents were very understanding. I think oh. that they always knew that academics was something that I struggled with. I mean, like, would they have wanted me to go to UCLA? Yes. They were like, okay, well, that's fine. At the time I wanted to go into nursing. And so they're mm. like, well, this school has a really good nursing program. It's a private school. So you'll be able to get all the classes you need and graduate on time. They were okay with me not going to a better school because they were like, oh, well, she's still going down the medical path. And like, Mm. that'll be still like the saving grace. Like at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter the school you go to as long as you like stay in the medical career. And also you were like still very close by. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I was still really close by. Like I think the other schools that I got into were like Arizona and San Francisco. And that would have been like much further. It's not even that far. (laughs) It's not that far. It really isn't. But I think that for your parents, it's like, but for my parents, it's really far. And for a kid who has never lived like, Away from her parents. Yeah, that was a really big deal. So So is the kid that moved all the way to New York. (laughs) I know, right? And now I'm like, oh my God, I would love to live abroad. (laughs) Arizona and SF is so far. I'm going to New York. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I think that like I was so hard on myself for not having that college experience. I'm grateful that my best friends went to other schools. So I did experience that not in the way that I would have wanted to. But in hindsight, like that was probably a good thing. Like not being able to have like my best friends and this party life allowed me to really focus, like being able to have that separation of like, oh, this is school time. And, you know, these are all the things I need to get done. But once I'm done with that, like I can go have fun. So like having that separation, I think was good for me being like a very ADHD type of person and being a very social type of person. Like I don't think I would have gotten anything done if I went to any of those other schools. Mm. And I think too, that because it was a religious school and I was a minority for the first time in my life, it really challenged my thinking. As much as I hate to admit it, I think that that school really allowed me to push my limits of why I thought the way that I did. Growing up in Arcadia, like everybody thought the same as me because we had very, very similar experiences. We celebrated the same things. Like there was that commonality that I didn't even have to think twice about. And I think that that's why it took me a while to even realize like, oh, I'm not a white American, like I'm Asian American because everybody around me was the same, you know? But I think that because I feel like I sometimes have like a follower mentality where I just kind of go where everyone else goes, like especially in middle school and high school, going to college when people would say things or, you know, bring up ideas and things like that, that I didn't agree with. I was like, wait a minute, why do I feel a certain way about this? Like why 
does this make me angry or why doesn't it sit well with me? And -hmm. I think that it was like through the conversations that I was able to have with my classmates, with my friends and all these things that I was able to form my own opinions for once in my life. And Mm. that's still something that I'm working through today. And, you know, if you've listened to old episodes, like, you know, that that's something that I struggle with, like trying to form my opinions outside of what my parents taught me, outside of what my peers taught me, like finding my own opinion to think for myself and call was really when that seedling was planted Mm. and it has now blossomed into me having this podcast with you and creating Mm. content where I'm voicing my opinions and saying my thoughts because this is something that I've thought about for a very long time. And Mm. I don't think that I would have thought about it for that long of a time if I was continuing to be part of the majority and just kind of went with the flow of what like all of my other friends did. That's so good. Like you pinpointed the budding moment where this was implanted in you because it was an uncomfortable position for you to be in. And it wasn't by choice necessarily. And then from that, I think at the time, since it was so uncomfortable, obviously you had a lot of like resistance to it. And then now in hindsight, it's like actually from that little budding experience, it allowed you to grow into who you're meant to be Mm -hmm. and really start cherishing your voice and the power behind it. I love that. Yeah. What's yours? (laughs) So mine, I'm just going to go in chronological order just so I can frame it in my own head in that way. Yeah. So I love how you went through that. And I'm like, my first thing is like... (laughs) to not have my past crushes or boyfriends or guys that I dated work out. And Mm. I, you know, I started with like, remember in like junior high and high school, I was one of those girls that crushed intensely and Mm -hmm. I didn't know the guy at all, but I'm just like, oh my God, in my head, yeah, you just (laughs) fantasize about it. You kind of put together what you see in movies or in shows and you just implant that talk to a guy (laughs) and I've thought about this many times because you know now with social media you can see how people (laughs) have turned out and what Mm -hmm. they're into and stuff and I'm like dude if I had really gotten what I wanted back in junior high let's say I married the guy that I crushed on that would be my life you know (laughs) or even like my first boyfriend I'm just like he has like I think two or three kids now, you know, I'm like, that would have been my life. Not that that's bad, but it's just like, that's totally not where I'm at right now. So I think at the time, obviously through the past dating experiences, like very delusional, just very delusional. (laughs) (laughs) Me? About the guys? I definitely were in relationships in the beginning where I so desperately wanted to prove myself. Like I distinctly remembered two guys and I was like, please, you know, I want this to work out so badly. And I'm just like, now I'm like, oh, (laughs) thank God, (laughs) thank God, thank God. But I'm so grateful for all of those dating experiences because I mean, there are definitely moments where I was like, regret ever spending any moment of my time with this guy or that guy or whatever, right? But then Mm -hmm. honestly, a lot of lessons are learned the hard way. And it got me to a point where obviously, you know, my story of being single. So it forced me (laughs) to get to a point where I'm like, okay, I need to stop the same focus on myself, you know, and have a lot of inner work that Mm -hmm. needs to be done because I'm not just putting it on the guys. There are a lot of things that I'm just like, so, so insecure and so like wanting this person to be my everything. And through that Mm -hmm. obviously leading me to Jack and then now not only just Jack but now we have like a true partnership right and that's the part Mm -hmm. where 
I'm glad <laughs> those didn't work out. Don't worry. We're going to do a full episode where we dive deep into uh, Christine's dating history. So all the things that she was alluding to that you're like, oh, I want to know more. I do too. So we will be doing an episode on that. Don't you worry. <laughs> we touched base about it on the We're Not Really Strangers game because that's yeah. Regina. I never thought about it, but Regina's like, yeah, actually, I'm not very clear about your dating history. I know you mentioned this guy, that guy, but also it's like vague. And I know yeah. like, I talk about them in vague senses because I don't want to get specific. Yeah. And like I met Christine when she was in her single phase, but also the end of her single phase when she was like just about to start dating Jack. So I remember her being like, I just want to be single. And then she's like, so there's this guy. (laughs) Well, I was single for six years before I met Jack. Yeah, exactly. And I caught you on like the very tail end of that. Yeah. So you don't know anything like as in like you you do know, but not the specifics. Yeah. 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 Okay. So what's your second? I'm going to kind of piggyback off of yours where it's like, for me, I think it's like not having ever been in a serious relationship. And I think that that was something that I was really insecure about for a long time. And then it was something that I was like, ah, is there something wrong with me? And I look back at my past like dating history as well, where I'll see guys for like a couple weeks or a couple months at a time. And it's like nothing stuck. And I was like, oh my God, is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with, I don't know, just what's wrong? Like, why aren't these opportunities working out? And kind of going in line with what I was saying about the previous thing, which is like, I feel like I have a hard time forming my own opinions. In a way, I'm kind of grateful that after all of these years that I've just been single and I've allowed myself the opportunity to like figure out what I like and figure out what I want. Because I think that growing up, my parents dictated a lot of that. And I'm not putting the blame on them. I think that they were trying to do their best as like, as parents, but I think that they're also Asian parents who really are like, this is the one path for you. And so outside of that, being an only child, I was like afraid to do anything outside of that, afraid to kind of stray from that. But I also know that there's a part of me that's like a little bit of a rebel that's like, okay, you say I can't do this, but what if I do this, which is not necessarily that, you know, like Mm -hmm. always trying to find my leeways around it. Find the Um, loopholes. Yeah, loopholes. (laughs) But I think at the end of the day, I am still very easily swayed. Like I always joke, I'm like, you know, all that influencer marketing and like the target ads on Instagram, like I'm such a sucker for them. Cause anytime I see it, I'm like, yes, I want it. And in a way, like I can't imagine that if I did say have several relationships and got swayed in a bunch of different ways along the way, like I wouldn't be as like confident in myself of what I believe in and who I want to be. And what are the things that mean a lot to me? And what are the things that I like? Like, even finding something as simple as like a genre of movies that I like that Mm -hmm. took me a while to be like oh wait why is it that all the movies that I like are different from my friends that was something that made me even question myself you know like little things like that that I think that if I were to be on like a grander scheme of things of like career and life trajectory and things like that if if I had like an outside opinion and not the ability to do kind of almost whatever I wanted I would be a completely different person and I'm grateful for that And it's not that I don't want a relationship. Like, I definitely think that as I get older, it is solidifying the fact that like, yes, I do want to like get married and settle down and have kids. That is something that I want in my future. But I'm glad for 
for the opportunity to have been single, to have been able to make the decisions that I did selfishly and recklessly, because I do think that I'm the type of person who is always thinking of other people. And so it was nice to kind of have that time for myself to be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to move to New York. And then I did it, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's like a weird thing that I feel like I was very insecure about and like very unsure of for the longest time. But now I'm kind of like, oh, there's nothing to really be ashamed of. It's just my path. And I'm actually quite proud of it because everything that I was able to do, like I did it because of me. Yeah. And you consciously chose to be single, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's the part where you're picking yourself to get to know yourself. I love the way that you explain that because it took you first understanding how you are where Mm -hmm. everything you said about being a follower and not allowing yourself to have an opinion and then being conscious of that because you could have easily just operated and like, yeah, I'll just do whatever my parents said. I'll just do whatever Mm -hmm. my friends say, you know, but Mm -hmm. you got to a point where you're just like, wait a sec, I have thoughts. I don't like Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. What, What is that about? And being curious about it. You know, obviously people have different times of their life. Maybe someone went through this during high school and then some Mm -hmm. people are after a divorce. Mm -hmm. So I like Mm -hmm. how for you, it doesn't define at whatever moment that you're supposed to. It's like, oh, in my 20s where everyone's dating, I'm supposed to be dating and all because it says something about me. Like, no, you make choices that serve you. And I love that that's what you've been getting out of it because of getting to know yourself yeah, you know, and respecting that part of you. Yeah. And kind of what you said about like, oh, you know, you chose to be single. I think that if you told me that like five years ago, I wouldn't have believed you. I'd be like, no, <laughs> it's like, I just haven't found the one or the guys that I like don't like me, you know, like I would have made yeah. kind of an excuse like that. But I think that you're right. Like in a way, I think I did choose to be single. Like I think I chose to find things that were wrong with guys that I was dating, even though they may not have been there. But maybe because like I wasn't ready, I wasn't willing to open myself up in the way that you need to for relationships and like that vulnerability factor. So yeah, I think that it took me a long time to get here. But yeah, and now I look back at that and I'm like, wow, that's really nice. (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing else like it when you learn to date yourself. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, you next. So I'm going to jump onto the career path. So my thing is not sticking with my wedding event planner career. Mm. So right after college, I was a marketing major. So my internships and jobs during college were around marketing. And then after college, I was like, well, you can get paid to event plan and all of that. And then that got me a job at a boutique event planning company as an event assistant. There's just something about that whole period of time that I felt like I wanted to do something more. Like, even though even at the time, I felt like this is like a dream job. Like I was working on weddings and birthdays. And eventually, even after the boutique, even after being an event assistant, I was like, you know, I'm going to start my own wedding planning company in terms of like freelance. I was 23 at the time. I had no idea what the heck I was doing. (laughs) The wedding planning and doing that is still was in the lines of I got to help people celebrate life and their perfect day. I'm going to help plan that for them. Even though I was doing that, I still felt that there's something missing. And I trusted that. And I was like, I could easily find another job as an event planner and make good money from it, especially in the wedding industry, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I trusted that feeling. And that's when I started looking for jobs within the Asian American community. And I landed an event director job at the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival which I met Wang Fu Mm -hmm. and other community organizations like Collaboration and other people that are still are my friends in the community. Looking back now, I'm just like, I'm very, very proud of myself for trusting in that instinct. Mm 
And that's something that still I try my best to hold on to. If I have a feeling, any inkling of it, I approach it with curiosity versus shutting it down. Mm. So I think, you know, with Regina's first example, this is probably my budding moment of having something come up that I could have easily ignored or stuffed away, but then making actionable steps to trust in it and do something about it. Mm. I remember when we first met, you were telling me about wedding planning and I was like confused because I was like, how did you go from like wedding planning to producing and film and stuff like that. Like, and I just remember you being like such an organized person and you still are today. Like I remember whenever we have to do anything, an event or anything, you come out with the spreadsheets, you come out with the X, Y, Z, X, you know, like everything. And I'm so grateful for that because I feel like I always learn so much from you, but I can definitely see how that opened up like a completely new world to you, right? Isn't it crazy when you look back? It's like, how do you get from wedding planning to producing when honestly, I didn't book for a producer job. But Mm -hmm. then now in hindsight, you're like, actually, there's a lot of skills that overlap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I never, that's why it's like looking back, you're like, even if I wanted to plan it out this way, I could never even plan it out this perfectly or in that way. For sure. So that's kind of cool looking back. Yeah. Okay. What about your third one? Is it this, is this your third one? Yeah. Yeah, my third one. I also had like a similar moment of that where it's like, I don't think that this is the path for me. And Christine already knew me at this point, but I was in school, a psych major. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just go to PA school. And then I'll also do like producing or, you know, film Mm -hmm. stuff like on the side. And I was like, that's my dream life, you know, having a stable career. And I remember you like you literally like scoffed. And I was like, huh? How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) I remember having very significant conversations where one was in the car, one was at the office before you're leaving to New York too. Mm -hmm. But I was like, girl, you can tell that your heart's not in the medical field. Mm -hmm. You could just tell. Like you're finding reasons not to, but because you don't want to disappoint your parents and it's totally Mm -hmm. understandable. You could totally tell that you were like in your head trying to find the loophole. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was trying to find the loophole. And I think that, again, it was just like what I was told and I didn't want to disappoint my parents. And I knew that it was a very like practical path. Like it makes a lot of sense. What I'm doing right now does not make a lot of sense, Mm -hmm. but it is something I'm passionate about and I love. And who does it not make sense to? That's the question. That's true. That's true. For me, going into medicine, I don't hate it. It's really hard for me to study it. But like, I think it does interest me. And I think that my parents have always taught me like you need to help people and things like that. And that's always been just so ingrained in my mind. And I was like, oh, well, what's the best way that you can help someone? Oh, provide health care. So I think that that was like my mindset that I just grew up thinking and having family work in medicine and just like extended family work in medicine. It was just all I had could ever see. Right. But I think that it just got to a certain point where I was like, I felt like I was just fighting with myself where one day I'd wake up and be like, yes, I'm going to go do medicine. And the next day, the girl who wakes up is like, no, I'm never going to go down that path and blah, 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 you know, and then like the common personality that everybody would meet was like, I'm going to do both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two, it was the same with Christine, where it's like, you know, when you are only fed one idea and you don't try to look outside of that bubble, like you won't see it and you're just going to do whatever is like right in front of you. But I think that like the thing that was kind of interesting was that I actually kind of fell into the world that Christine found eye-opening. Like I was Mm -hmm. in that. 
But I think that it was myself being the biggest like block to Mm -hmm. actually experiencing like the world of what that had to offer. And I think part of it is like naivete. Like I was young, I was 19, 20 at the time. And I didn't have the life experience that like Christine would always try to like teach me. I still remember like all the things that I feel like I'm learning now. I was like, I feel like Christine's lectured me about this before, (laughs) well, like 10 years ago, but I didn't get it until now. And I think that a lot of those lessons still ring true today. But I think that at the time I really just... I think that being able to see outside of what was right in front of me, it kind of felt like a fog, like where I was just like walking and I was just trying to tread lightly and being like, okay, I can see like three feet in front of me. So that's what I'm going to focus on. But I think that when I did take that leap and it was definitely at the guidance of Christine, the guidance of one of my professors, the guidance of like my friends for them to be like, well, why can't you be what you always say that you want to be? And I was like, Whoa, that's that's wild. That's devil talk. Don't see yeah, those that's things. the devil talking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I think that it took a really long time, and even now, like my parents are still like, "Well, it's not too late to go get that master's in public health." And I know that they say that because they, you know, they worry about me and my future and things like that. But I can't imagine what my life would be like if I hadn't taken that risk to do the master's in business management. And then from there, have the courage to move across the country. I still think about that. I'm like, I don't know how I had the courage to do that, but I did it and I don't regret it, you know? And I think that none of those things would have happened for me if I had just put my head down and done what other people told me to do. Dude, I think honestly, you blossomed in New York. Yeah. Just being away, forcing yourself to make your own money, pay for your own rent, put yourself in situations that were not comfortable that, you know, you can't just go to mom and dad for and all these things. Mm -hmm. And then you develop your own community, your own friends, your core group of friends. It was really cool that they were out there too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, trusting that. And I knew how difficult that decision was for you because you had no reason to go out there. I really did not. (laughs) And I honestly, until you left, I was like, dude, her parents are never going to let her go. (laughs) And I was like, oh, shoot, she's there. She made it. She broke free. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I like always paint this picture that my parents are like very possessive, which they are. But I think that like, (laughs) but I think that when it comes to something that I've really set my mind on, I do think that they try to be as supportive as they can, even if they think I'm crazy. I'm pretty sure that my mom was like, I'll see her in a year. (laughs) Yeah. We say that because it's like, we used to talk outside, like even her house. And Mm -hmm. of course it's late, but then Regina's mom will call her and be like, where are you? Oh my God. She's like, mom, I'm literally right outside with Christine. Please calm down. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? I don't blame her. If I had an only child, dude, I don't even let Coco go outside. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you going? Well, we know the kind of mother that you would be. (laughs) Oh my God. Eating cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. But as I got older, I stopped because I started to realize how many sugary carbs were in each spoonful. That's why I was so excited to discover Magic Spoon, cereal for adults. The flavors are so delicious and totally reminiscent of the cereal I had growing up, but so much healthier. They have zero grams of sugar, also keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. 
Go to magicspoon.com slash pip to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code pip at checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund you your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash pip and use code pip for free shipping. Hey, it's Christine here. We're so happy to be teaming up with BetterHelp again, the world's largest online counseling service. You work with licensed and accredited professionals to get the counseling you're looking for. And it's accessible, affordable, and convenient so anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere. I talk to my therapist on BetterHelp every week and it has made the biggest difference in processing past traumas, specifically with family and past friendships. I text with her quite frequently throughout the week and she sends me worksheets that help so much in digging in deeper and putting into practice the things we talk about in our actual sessions. I truly believe therapy is something we should all invest in ourselves because we are worth it. Our mental health, just like our physical health, affects every aspect of our lives. We highly recommend trying BetterHelp. The process is really simple. Head to betterhelp.com pip to answer a quick personalized questionnaire to assess your needs. And you'll be paired with a licensed professional within 24 hours. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. We're so excited that BetterHelp is offering our PIP fam an exclusive 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp.com PIP. So definitely check them out and take care of yourselves. Okay, so from that, I'll go to my number three. Is my number three? Yes. I can't count. So I'll talk about like my parents. This is something I'm still working through. But what I wrote down is what I'm glad that didn't work out the way that I had always wanted was not having the perfect parents. And being mm-hmm. estranged from my dad, I think it was five years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I stopped mm-hmm. talking to him for like three years. Like I said, this is something I'm still working through. So I don't have like, I guess, like we said, right? In hindsight, you could be like, well, this connected to this, right? I've always wished that my parents were different. <laughs> I always wish that I had a better childhood and a better upbringing, less scars, less damage. Even to this day, there's still times that I'm sure we all have this. We're just like, why do they have to be like that? I know I definitely take responsibility. For me, it's like, I don't blame them if they think that about me as their kid, you know, like, oh, I wish I had a better kid and stuff. I actually told that to my therapist the other day. I was like, I actually think that something that I hold on to is this immense guilt and shame that I wasn't a better daughter to my parents, mm-hmm. like growing up. I'm like an amazing daughter now, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but like, I'm just like, I actually feel really guilty that they didn't have an easier daughter to deal with. Mm. So I've been doing a lot of inner work, like with the therapist, with life coaching and all of that. And I really think that in looking at the situation with my parents, it's something that I can immediately form a deep bond with when someone especially as Asians talk shit about their parents. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or they talk about how traumatic their childhood was or still is or how toxic a lot of their arguments are or just like no one takes responsibility. You just sweep things under the rug. That parents have no boundaries. I immediately know what that person is talking about. And recently, very recently, is something that I've really picked up on in terms of like, this may be something I want to do more research on for 
our Asian American community as like Asian Americans with their immigrant parents and having this like cultural and language barrier and all of that. It's always been curious to me to be like, why are my parents the way that they are? You know, mm. I'm always like, I really should write a children's book. <laughs> <laughs> Why are my parents the way that they are? It's <laughs> actually such a good title, maybe. Yeah, so, right? Yeah, I bought like, <laughs> like three books on like toxic <laughs> parenting or like toxic relationship with parents. And I'm learning so much, maybe specific to Asian American parents, because Regina and I have been talking about it. It's like you immediately feel bad and guilty. You're talking about this or even mm. thinking about this about your parents, right? Because your mind immediately goes to like, well, they sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that they're bad people. They're not bad people. You know, we shouldn't talk about this. We can't air our dirty laundry. But I also realize that if we don't talk about it, then we don't grow from it. You know, we all keep it within ourselves and we struggle mm-hmm. within ourselves. So this is something that, I don't know, maybe I'll check in on this specific point in the future with more insight. But I do think that it's help me think more objectively about my parents and the relationship that I have with them and just seeing where we started to where we are now and how to continuously like grow from that Mm. because obviously your parents are going to be your parents very Mm -hmm. similar triggers but I feel like there's just something that like kinship with people who have these type of traumatic relationship with their parents that at least I noticed that within my community that I want to learn more about Yeah, we'll probably do an episode about this more in depthly in the future. But I definitely think that this is a common topic that we both talk about quite often, like almost every single time we meet, because like there will always be something frustrating that they said or did that like we don't agree with or that upset us and things like that. But I think that this might be like a sign that that's like in the future for you of like community groups that you can set up or topics that you can like really dive into and like help these kids get that better understanding of their parents or create that understanding between each other. Like, obviously this is a journey for you that you're on and and still continuing to learn, but yeah, who knows? Throwing this out there into the universe. (laughs) There's a lot of healing and inner work that I think we need to work on ourselves first before putting that on our parents or even having that expectation Mm -hmm. that they will do it because honestly, you can't, you can't control that or expect that. Yeah. And we also have to understand that they went through trauma too. And it's different trauma than what we went through, but it's there. It's there. So what's your number four? My third full-time job in New York at a small female-led company. I had been working at CBS at the time and then things were getting kind of stale there and like people were leaving. There were rumors of like the company was going to be split off and all these things. And it just felt like a sinking ship. I got two jobs and I took the second one. And I thought it was my dream job. The perfect I thought fit. it was the perfect yeah. fit. It was like this small female empowerment, kind of like small media company. And they were working with like a lot of big celebrities. And it seemingly like was such a good fit for what I wanted to do at the time. Perfectly Imperfect already existed. And when I told them about it, they were super excited. They were like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it seemed like they were really like pushing this creativity in each of us. And I was really excited Mm. by that. And it was a company that had been around for like a little bit, but they were trying to kind of push that like startup culture. Like they had snacks and drinks and all that stuff. But I think that once I got there, I realized that a lot of it was, I don't know, it was just like a lot of like glitter flying everywhere that looks really good. And it seems like they're standing for all the right things. But at the end of the day, if 
had a very like toxic culture, if not more toxic than the corporate culture that I was in previously, mm. where I already felt like, oh, creators are not valued. Everybody's just looked at as a money machine and things like that. And I thought that I wanted to leave that and go somewhere where people were more invested in the type of content that women were creating and things like that. But at the end of the day, it was almost worse. Like I felt like nobody really tried to welcome me in or teach me what was going on. And they kind of tossed me in between teams and they didn't really know what to do with me. So they would toss me to another one and toss me to another one. And then I ended up in the influencer marketing group where my job was to go on Instagram and to judge girls based off of whether or not I think that they would be like a good fit for our campaign. Mm -hmm. That really sucked the life out of me because I already felt like I can be a kind of judgmental person and I'm trying to work against that. Like, I don't want to be Mm -hmm. like judging a girl like, oh, she's wearing that red dress and blah, blah, blah. You know, like Mm -hmm. I hated that, but that was my job. Like I had to be like, oh, would this person fit well with this brand? And I had to listen to these client calls be like, oh, we don't like that girl because she has a Bible verse in her bio. Mm. And that was soul draining for me. And then after three months, they were like, oh, well, we don't have the budget to keep you on. I was devastated because I was like, oh my God, did I not do a good enough job? Was I not a good fit and blah, blah, blah. And I think that it was hard for me to process at the time because I think I just saw it as like, oh my God, this is another thing that I failed at. Mm -hmm. But in reality, like I kind of got out of that situation. If they hadn't like cut me out of the budget, like I don't think that I would have left. Like I think that it could have stayed there for a while. Like I actually took that as a sign that like, oh, maybe I'm not done with New York yet. Mm -hmm. Like maybe I should spend another few years here now that I just got this job. Yeah, I don't know. Like it was a blessing in disguise. I remember how devastating that day was. I was crying. I called my best friends. In hindsight, I'm glad that that happened because I don't know if I had the courage to walk away myself. And like in so many ways, that opportunity was just not right for me. Mm -hmm. How long after this did you leave New York? About eight months later. Mm, yeah. That says a lot because I remember at the time, I mean, this is Regina every year, like, I don't know if I'm, I might move back, you know? Yeah. And I can totally see, <laughs> like, yeah, had you not, the universe forced you out of this situation. I, you'd probably still be at that job in New York. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Potentially. And like, I hated it so much, like, three months in. Like, I can't imagine how I would feel now. Yeah. Yeah. Which brings me to my fourth point. <laughs> me also leaving Wang Fu but I guess to piggyback off of Regina I struggled with this decision I think it's a combination I left on my own accord but I also felt like it just got to a point where I had to go Mm-hmm. And we talked about this many, many times in previous episodes. It was a battle within myself, essentially. The, what would I be leaving behind? Am I a quitter? Am I weak? Is it really better that I leave? Or is it better that I stay and continue to do work for the community? But at that point, in hindsight, I was depressed. <laughs> I just mentally, in hindsight, I was like, if I stayed, it would have mentally destroyed me. At the time, it was long overdue for me to leave. There was just so much, I'll just say it, just a lot of toxic energy there, you know? I think like closing a chapter always feels really hard at the time because it's like, what am I giving up? Is this really the right move? But I think you know. I think we all know in a sense. And and I think that's exactly what it was that I learned from Wang Fu. It's like the very thing that 
I entered into Wang Fu with was no longer there anymore for me. I had changed as a person for a while, and a lot of my values and the things that I wanted to do, the type of content I wanted to create, it just wasn't at Wang Fu anymore. And honestly, in ways too that I also wouldn't have had the time to create that content in that position that I was in at Wang Fu. I was doing everything too, you know? I mean, we all were. So there's just no time to create my own content and the stuff that I wanted to say. At the time, I couldn't be who I am now if I stayed at Wang Fu, honestly, because I think that toxic energy and who I was becoming, who I didn't like, I could not be a good friend nor all the different aspects of who I am and love and give generously because I was just spent, you know? So the person I am now, people who are in my life now are like, oh, you feel so much lighter. You know, mm. you're like thriving in quarantine and all of that. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a whole weight that's been lifted, you know, because I finally put down the baggage mm-hmm. that I had been carrying, not because I'm ungrateful for that experience, but it was just time to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see it and Jack and I could see it for a very long time. But I think that it's kind of one of those things where the person themselves has to recognize it and make that decision for themselves. Right. I think there's a lot of, especially when you work for like a startup or like Mm -hmm. grassroots type of company. I think that's the stuff where people think like, oh, if I work for a startup and they really care and all of that. The thing is you commit so much of yourself to the work, quote unquote, the work that Mm -hmm. you're doing, right? That you get lost and you're just kind of like, I just got to give it all. But then what I learned is that you lose yourself in the process and it bleeds into the media areas of your life. So you're Mm -hmm. actually spreading more toxic energy than you are doing good. So it may be for the Mm -hmm. quote unquote, the greater good. And who, who even knows? I think that to me is also putting a lot of ego in what I'm doing, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if I can't even treat the people around me well, while I'm trying to do the greater good work and I'm sacrificing my mental health and physical well-being for it, it's not worth it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Agreed. What's your last point? (sighs) My last one. When I moved to New York, I had a dream and my dream was that I would work for NBC at 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. Instead, <laughs> I got a job across the street, staring at 30 Rock at CBS. And I know that when people hear like, oh, you worked at CBS, that's still a big company. That's still like, you know, it's comparable. In my mind, it wasn't. And I was still like, okay, well, this is my stepping stone to get to NBC and to get to where I want to be. And I actually had a couple of interviews at NBC, but the opportunities never worked out. And in hindsight, I'm glad that it didn't like, yes, CBS wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be, nor was it like what I had envisioned it to be. But I learned so much during that process and during that time in my life. That was my first corporate job in media, which is something that I always said that I wanted to do. And I was doing it. And even though it was in podcasts, which I wasn't super interested in at the time, it it taught me everything I needed to know about podcasts for me and Christine to start our own. One of the things too, like, because I was so young and bushy-tailed and like bright-eyed. Yeah. Yeah. That I remember walking through the door and like going up to my coworkers and being like, hi, I'm Regina. Let's have lunch together. (laughs) And those are some of my closest friends still to today. Mm -hmm. I remember when I got rejected for the last time at NBC and took the CBS job instead. I was like, ah, well, I'm taking the CBS job because I didn't get the NBC job. And the CBS job doesn't even like seem as good or what I want as like the NBC job. 
Mm-hmm. But in the end of the day, it actually was the opposite. The CBS job was exactly the perfect fit for me. And the NBC job, I just wanted it because I just wanted to work in the same building as like <laughs> Seth Meyers and SNL and all those things. And it wasn't really the path that was set for me. And I couldn't see it at the time, but I see it very, very clearly now. And I'm super grateful, even though 30 Rock will always have a special place in my heart. I see why... CBS was the better fit for me. Mm, That hindsight 2020 vision. Mm -hmm. Probably NBC still has a special place in your heart because you didn't work there. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) If I worked there, I'd probably be like, F NBC. I hate hate it. it. I'm never watching another show on NBC. I mean, my fifth one, my last one is, it just worked out this way. I think we wrote similar things and Regina also listed some of her stuff out of order. But my last one is not landing the Sanrio job of my dreams after Wang Fu. So mm-hmm. Sanrio has always been my like <laughs> company that I've always, I grew up surrounded by Sanrio. That was the company. People were like, oh, I want to work at Disney. Mine was Sanrio. So right after Wang Fu, actually I would say like, even before I was leaving Wang Fu, I was already set up for interviews for Sanrio. And I was like, oh, great. This is going <laughs> to leave Wang Fu and then jump into like my dream job. You know, I'm at the next step. And in my head, I'm like, Sanrio is like a bigger company that there's going to be more structure. There's going to be like HR, mm-hmm. <laughs> more people. There's departments. I'm not doing everything like here at Wang Fu. But also small enough that... And this is through the interviews that they really made it a point to talk about how they're like a family work environment, kind of in the middle. They're not Disney, obviously, so it's not like insanely big, but that that people still care. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing is like I get to work at a company that sells cute things for a living. Like that sounded amazing to me. And I can still rave about this all day long. Their office. Oh, my God. I I could live there. Like honestly, they they have conference rooms where it's like character themed and even the chairs, even oh my god, it's so freaking cute. I remember asking Christine about her interview and she didn't even tell me anything about her interview. She just talked about the conference rooms for like 10 to 15 minutes. I like fangirl. Like people think that like, oh, Wang Fu, you were the fangirl that got the job. I'm like, no, it was not like that at all. Like Sanrio, I was. I was trying so hard not to be giddy in the interviews. And I'll tell you, I went in for multiple interviews. I actually went in for two different positions too. And Mm -hmm. it really just seemed like I was going to get the job. I like interviewed with every person within the department. And then even the VP of marketing, like she gave me a a little twin star goodie bag because she found out that little twin stars is my favorite. And that's how much she enjoyed our interview together. But I never got hired. It was just one of those things that I'm just like, the fuck? (laughs) 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 You know, and I was so, I was just, I emailed them, I followed up, I saw these things and I was just like, why? You know, and I think looking back, there's also this additional pressure in my head that I'm like, I left Wang Fu. I wanted to be able to hold my head up high in a certain way where like, yeah, I moved on to the next thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was scared to face that maybe I'm not hireable. Mm. I had to confront that reality and like, I kind of got Wang Fu. Mm -hmm. I lucked out and I really did. I had no producing experience. And then I worked at this company for six years. And what would be my next step? And I thought, well, marketing. And so then I was like, man, I don't have (laughs) legit skills to get hired. What we would think that other people deem as legit skills. Yeah, exactly. I was like, put back into that pool, right? I was just like submitting your resume, running, and I was just like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. 
But in hindsight, obviously in hindsight, and when I really stopped to think about how the interviews were going, it went well, but I also in the midst of it, I was like, they actually are very disorganized. The reason why I went in for two different positions is because they changed the positions. They kept changing what the position was because of higher up to down. And also, I mean, I love Sanrio, but then Sanrio America is very different from Sanrio Japan. And Sanrio America is not a thriving business. There are many things at the time that they were changing within the company and how they do business that I was learning in the interviews. I'm like, man, it actually sounds just like a bigger Wang Fu mm. where, hey, it's a bigger company, but you will have to wear 10 hats. <laughs> so I think with that, obviously me not getting the jobs that eventually led me to life coaching because I had to take a good look at myself. Everything brought me to this path now. Had I gotten those jobs, I think I would have been repeating the same patterns. And, you know, working with Mimi too, it also was just like, oh, similar patterns. And I want to do meaningful work and help someone else live their dream. But I never gave myself that chance. Mm. And what would that look like? So because that didn't work out the way that I wanted, I had to think about things in a different way. And opportunities opened up in areas that I would have never, ever thought about. Because your eyes are open to it now. You're like, if I have nowhere else to turn, what else is a possibility? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. summarizing my list, it is A, trusting myself. It is B, no, I don't know how things are going to work out. But you know what? I'm learning to find the resilience and strength within myself because I know who I am. And that whatever happens, <sighs> even in this pandemic, whatever else where killer bees come or killer wasp <laughs> and all of that, you know, like, it just is what it is. And I would have learned something from mm -hmm. it and hopefully learned to be a better person. Mm, yeah. What about you? My biggest takeaway is learning to be the protagonist in my own story. Yeah. Instead of following along what everyone else told me to do or what everyone else told me would make sense, finding my own path, finding my own passions, finding what makes sense for me. I think that that has been most of what my 20s have been. And now I'm in my last year of my 20s. And I feel like things are finally starting to make sense. And what you said about helping other people achieve their dreams, but not really giving yourself that opportunity to, mm -hmm. like, I totally resonate with that. Like, there's this, we're going to bring up TikTok again. There's this TikTok where <laughs> there's like a sound where it's like, you know, you need to live your life like you are the protagonist, like you are the main character and like all the storylines revolve around you and your life. And I feel like now having gone through all of these upsets and disappointments and things like that, like I'm finally allowing myself that opportunity to be like, hey, these are the things that I'm doing and I'm proud of it. It's not, oh, I work at CBS and I have this podcast on the side. It's not, you know, being defined by what I think society would want to hear from me, mm. but like really embracing that and being proud of that. Like, hey, I, I founded a clothing line. I am the co-host of a podcast, like being proud and saying that with confidence mm -hmm. that that is who I am. That is what I do. And that's part of my story. And I don't think that I would have been able to do that if I just went down the trajectory that I thought I wanted when I was like 21. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you think back, you're like 21. <gasps> That was wow. so long ago and I was a whole different person. That was so long ago. Yeah, no, I love what you said. It's very powerful. And I think people out there, if you find yourself, especially when things are uncertain and feel 
<laughs> unpredictable that we lose sight of things and we get scared and it's understandably so because we're on survival mechanism. But there's like this great quote from Oprah in her Things I Know For Sure book where she's like, you know, with earthquakes, what you have to learn is that you're still here and you're adjusting your stance and you are moving onto higher ground. Mm-hmm. So that's what I go to whenever I feel scared. Mm-hmm. It's understandable. Mm-hmm. The different points that we addressed today, we were different ages and different points of our lives. And I would say that each of those moments, I felt scared. And it's okay to feel scared. But then what you take from these experiences is you build up the courage. And courage is acting on what you believe is right with fear. That's just what it is. And not like you're not scared. You're acting on what you believe is right. Mm. So with that, trust your instincts, trust inklings. If you're going to bet on anything, bet on yourself. Thinking about it from hearing both of us say our thing is that the biggest journey has gone from not giving us ourselves the chance because we were scared to find out if we weren't good enough for it or we could do it to now pivoting to that's not the point. It's not about if we succeed in this or that. Whatever dream of like, this is the biggest influence or we did the very thing. No, it's not. It's actually taking that step with the fear and the courage and believing and trusting in ourselves that good will come from it and we'll learn from it. So that's really mm-hmm. it, at least for me now at age 35. Yeah, I love that. I, I totally agree. I think that there's so many things that have to happen in order for us to get to where we are today. And I know that's so cliche to say, and I'm sure you've heard it 8 million times, but it's true. And I think that if you're going through one of those disappointment type of times, like keep fighting, you'll make it through. And when you get to the other side, you'll know all the lessons that you've learned and you'll be a better person for it. This is such a fun episode to do. I actually encourage all of you guys to think through what are the opportunities that you were super disappointed that didn't work out that now you look back at it and you're like, wow, I'm glad that didn't work out. Yeah. We'd love to know. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at perfectly.imperfect.podcast where we're doing so much more now with our little social team and sharing, you know, mindful Mondays, sharing quotes, sharing just thoughts that we have throughout the chaos that is happening in the world right now and leave us a review on iTunes. It really, really helps with our show. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye.